You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. We get you ready for Seahawks games every Sunday, unless, of course, that game is happening on Monday, and we get you ready for that, too. It is Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. The Seahawks looking to play their third straight primetime game. Before we dive into the matchup, John, how many times have you had to ask yourself, what day is it? it I Really, going back to the Thursday game yeah. two weeks ago, yeah. I would say, like, over under it's for me, oh, it's like five times a day. Yeah. It's a little bit I'm ridiculous. A I'm, I'm a mess. John, no offense. That could describe you just about yeah, any day. It does not matter. We, we don't need a, we we're don't in a primetime game. I don't need to give your wife any more ammunition yeah. on that one. Knock it off. All right. Well, the Seahawks are playing their third straight primetime game. They have lost the previous two. So back-to-back losses for the Hawks. This is not what they typically look like in primetime games. In fact, they have won 11 of 13 on Monday Night Football under Pete Carroll. So we hope that that trend is turning. John, just being at home, what kind of lift should that give this team? It feels like we haven't been in front of the home fans very much this year. Yeah, been on the road a lot. And, you know, this team's been good on the road in recent years. So it's not necessarily a terrible thing when, when we got to travel. But it, look, it's a special experience playing in that building in front of those fans. And prime time's always fun and wild. And I think this team could, could use a boost from the fans. It, this is a really important game to get back on track. And Maybe they can spark that defense, make make some things difficult on the Saints offense. You know, you talk about being able to spark the team. Not only do they have kind of that long week, right? So they played Sunday night. Now you play Monday, so you got the extra day. You were playing a Saints team that is coming off a bye. The news coming out of New Orleans this week is certainly favorable, as you would expect for the Saints, but also that ability to be playing on fresh legs and to be able to self-scout and clean stuff up. I do think that the fans are going to play a huge role in this one because you got two teams that need a win and, and are at different different points in their season, I think. Yeah, I mean, the the Saints are definitely, you know, they obviously need to, to keep wanting to do what they want to do, but they're they're in a little more comfortable of a position right now. And, the, you know, they've they've had a weird season so far, though. They've, well, I was going to say the numbers do not bear this out. They should not be where they are. They are outscoring opponents by about seven points a game, but they are being outgained in yards by almost 59 yards. Like, that does not happen. No. But, it, you know, when you look at, they have a really good turnover differential. They're plus five, and they're the best red zone team in the NFL offensively and defensively. So you, you can steal a lot of points in the game if you win in the red zone. Yeah, we're going to talk about that red zone, both sides of that one, a little bit later on. But first... It is not Drew Brees running the show in New Orleans anymore. It is Jameis Winston. The Seahawks have some familiarity with him from when he quarterbacked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's what Pete knows of the play caller for the Saints. The QB rating, we got 108, you know, and uh, in, in a compliment to the, the running game that, that they're really featuring. Um, he's playing really well. He's making some huge plays, and they, they're using his his ability to get the ball down the field really well and compliment with the, with the run game, and, and uh, um, he's fitting in well. You know, it's, it's not exactly the same as when it was with Drew, but um, 
he's just Sean is such a good ball coach that he figures it out how to you know make make the guys come to life and get the most out of them. So that's what it looks like is happening. The thing that really stands out to me with Winston, I mean, the, the talent's obviously there. He was a number one pick, but one of the big knocks on him in his time in Tampa was the turnovers. I mean, he yeah. threw 30 interceptions his last year as a starter. He had double digits every single year. He's only got three through five games. So that, you know, if he's figured that out a little bit and cleaned that up some, that's what makes him a lot more dangerous. And yes, it's not the same offense. Drew Brees is an all-time great, so you can't really expect him to be that, but He's handled that job really well so far. Okay, but there's a few different things here. Like when you talk about not turning the ball over, essentially what it looks like to me on the outside is Sean Payton has taken away a lot of those opportunities for turnovers because the Saints have the fewest passing attempts in the NFL. They are 31st in passing yards, and they are dead last in explosive plays with just 11. So I think part of this is, yes, Jameis has cleaned some things up. I think the other part is exactly what Pete was just saying of playing to his strengths. Oh, for sure. And that's, I mean, something that a, a good head coach is always going to be good at that. And Sean Payton recognizes, look, this guy can do a lot of things well, but he's also a little turnover prone if you get too loose with the offense. So yeah, you know, they've reined it in a little bit and you can do that, especially with that defense playing this well. Well, but here's the question about the Seahawks defense when you are facing a guy like Jameis Winston. Now, it feels like all year long we've talked about quarterbacks getting the ball out fast. Ben Roethlisberger is tops of the list right now. So we know what that looked like in Pittsburgh last week. Jameis isn't getting the ball out nearly as fast. So you would think that there's some opportunity for the Seahawks pass rush minus the fact that he's not throwing the ball that much. What does this mean for the front seven? I mean, when you talk about the whole front seven, obviously it's going to start with stopping Kamara because they don't throw the ball that much, and he's a great running back. But when you do talk about the passing game, they got to find ways to get pressure. You know, every quarterback likes a clean pocket, but Winston is probably one of the most dramatic. You know, his numbers change from when he's clean to when he's pressured. If you, if you look at the next gen stats, the NFL does. He's got an eight to zero touchdown to interception ratio when he's clean. It's four to three when he's pressured. Yards per attempt get cut almost in half. His passer rating drops by 80 points. So it's uh, it's really important you make him uncomfortable. Well, and I think, too, when I was talking to Clint Hurt, the defensive line coach, earlier this week, you're not going to get that many opportunities just based on that number of run and, and passes. But when you do, you have got to take advantage. And it might not be coming from the edge. It might be coming from the linebackers and Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner. You might see a little bit more man-on-man up front to create these opportunities. But when you get one, you have got to get home. And we have seen a lot of pressure coming from the Seahawks without them getting home. And and not even getting the sacks, John, but I think I'm a little bit disappointed with how much they're affecting the quarterback just altogether. Yeah, and it, uh, you know, you mentioned with Roethlisberger, they have faced three teams in Minnesota, San Francisco, and the Steelers who get rid of the ball really quick. So that's going to make it hard for any team to get to him. But you're right. Even if you're not getting three, four, five sacks, get some hits, get some, you know, force some quick throwaways, just get some pressure. And, you know, I, I liked what we saw with, you know, using Jamal at the line of scrimmage more last week to, to send him more. And I'd like to see ways to get, whether it's him or like you said, get the linebackers involved in the pass rush and just find ways to, to make Winston uncomfortable. Yeah, the Seahawks defense tied for 22nd with 11 sacks. They are 19th in pressure percentage at just over 23% 
Is there any concern about the productivity we are seeing from the edge guys? And I'm, I'm kind of thinking Carlos Dunlap in there, mm-hmm. but also last week, Alton Robinson only got the one snap, right? And I know that that's more of just like a rotation thing, but what's the level of concern? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you need some of those guys to produce more. And, I, you know, some of the numbers that, you know, showed Carlos Dunlap with no sacks, you know, not a lot of quarterback hits, don't fully reflect. He's, he is getting more pressures. Um, some of those numbers are, are a lot better than his sack numbers. And as we remember from a couple weeks ago, he would have had a sack if not for one of the more egregious uncalled holds we've seen in a long time. So I don't think he's playing poorly, but you're right. You need more out of those edge guys. I do think we'll, we need we should and will see Alton Robinson more. You know, Pete Carroll said that was kind of a weird rotation thing that he wasn't on the field much. And then hopefully, miraculously, Daryl Taylor might be out there, which from what we saw on Sunday is kind of shocking, but he's been, you know, the best one of them so far. Yeah, if you if you miss the injury to Daryl Taylor, several scary moments while he was down and, and strapped to a back brace late in that game, fourth quarter in Pittsburgh. It did not look promising. It is a neck issue, but... I guess just soreness in the neck is all he is feeling right now, which again is absolutely amazing on that one. We mentioned the fewest explosive plays in the NFL. And while it doesn't look like they are throwing the ball as much, Pete Carroll says that they are finding ways to get some big yards. They're they're really running the football, but they are going for explosive plays and that they've hit some bombs. I mean, they've bombed people and and, uh, they've been striking from a long ways out. Uh, They're just not doing it as much and and not relying on moving the ball in that fashion. And so um, it's a a good, solid offense. It's difficult and and explosive still. So and whenever, you know, Alvin Kamara's back there, you have have a team almost. I mean, he he does so much for their offense in the run game, one, but in the throwing game as well. And uh, so, you know, he's the, the focal point in, in as he was before you know when even when drew was there but um alvin really gives him a lot of stuff and, and he's a fantastic player and that's i feel like everyone we talked about the offense no matter what the question might be about it comes back to alvin kamara because he's just we've seen a few of those running backs this year those guys who are just sort of the do everything everything runs through them and it's he's a tough task for uh, a seahawks run defense that's been pretty inconsistent they've had stretches of playing really well and then it'll go away for a little while and guys get some big runs. So they need to play a good, clean game of run defense. He is he is all over the field. He's all over the place. And you can expect that he's going to get about 22 touches a game. That is an exceptionally high number. And as you mentioned, it's not just running. He can catch the ball, too. That is the fifth most touches in the NFL. It is the heaviest workload of his career. And since entering the league in 2017, he is third in the NFL in total yards from scrimmage. Jameis Winston has said one of the things he used the bye week to look at was obviously some self-scouting and the passes that he could make better. He is going to be focused on the underneath routes that Drew Brees was so good at. When we put that Alvin Kamara number and, and talent together with Jameis looking for more underneath routes, what does this mean? You know, I think it means we're going to see a good test of how much the Seahawks defense really cleaned up between the loss to the Rams and the loss to the to the Minnesota Vikings, kind of some of those things that kept beating them and the game against Pittsburgh. They did they did look better in Pittsburgh, but the Steelers weren't necessarily trying some of those same concepts that kept killing the Seahawks earlier. And if, if the Saints are going to try to imitate some of those kind of zone beater routes in the middle of the field, we might find out 
how much the Seahawks have fixed there. Right? Pete Carroll says he feels like they made a turn. I think we saw the best cornerback play we've seen so far, and now this will be a good test of it. Is it too early to judge what Trey Brown does to that cornerback in that secondary unit? I mean, it's too early to just crown him as like the next great cornerback, but to judge that, hey, that was a hell of a debut and I, he might be a good upgrade for them, I don't think it is. I mean, he, he looked really good out there. He was pretty sticky in coverage. He was really physical, making some stops um, on some throws underneath him. So I was really encouraged. You know, we don't know for sure that he's starting, but Pete Carroll said he's definitely playing, which usually if you read between the lines with Pete Carroll, that means he probably is going to start. Well, and Sidney Jones suffered that injury last week. He did not finish the game. He had that chest injury. But I also wonder what it means for that nickel and dime package, right? Because even though... Trey Brown is incredibly physical and very instinctual out there. You've got two guys that are now 5'9 that are playing corner, which Pete has said, look, I'm fine. It's about the way the guys play the game. But I do wonder if that means you get Marquise Blair and Ryan Neal in there and, and just some other guys with some size to balance things out in some of those specialty packages. I think so. And we saw that with last week. There's a lot of these seven defensive back packages yeah. where it, it's funny. You know, we kept saying it was seven defensive backs, but then when you look at where Jamal Adams is playing in all those. He's it's playing really up in the box. Six, yeah. And Jamal is a hybrid linebacker defensive end, but still it gives you some flexibility on different things you can do with guys. And I, I like that look a lot. I think it was pretty interesting. And I, I think I, I'm trying to find the numbers. I do think Blair played a little more than yes, I believe he has so. in that yep. game. It, you know, in the past few games, he and Hugo Amadi have rotated in that nickel role and it's been a little more Amadi than Blair, but we did see more of Blair. So I think, yeah, it could be something where if you're going to be that small on the outside, you want some of the bigger bodies kind of in the middle of the field. Well, and, and look, here's the thing. Anytime you want to sell out to stop one part of an opponent's game, you are leaving yourself exposed in another part. You have got to make plays in whatever area you are selling out in. You have to make plays. And yeah. I do think that this is going to be a good test this week to see if they can. Because if not, then it doesn't matter how many DBs you have on the field. It doesn't matter how many guys you have up front. If you're not getting to where you need to be, it's it's a long day for that defense. That is all there is to I, say about I, that. I is John is you, looking at me like, yeah, no, good. I, I think that was a mic drop moment. I just didn't drop you the mic. You were just so good on that point. Away. I have nothing. To, I literally have <laughs> nothing just, to add. Just put that on repeat. You were so good at that point. How about if we flip this around and take a look at the Seahawks offense compared to the Saints defense? What we saw last week in Pittsburgh in that third quarter, John, it felt like Seahawks football. You like that, huh? I loved that. That third quarter? just I Alex loved Col that Alex. third quarter. Alex Collins found all the holes. He he was powering past defenders. I loved that. He looked really good. And I that, that style of football, especially when you have a backup quarterback, is really great to play. I, and Pete Carroll made it clear they want to keep doing that. It's going to be tough this week, though. The, the Saints run defense is number two in the NFL. They're allowing 79 rushing yards a game. So, look, you it, you got to find that balance of you want to run the ball. You think you're at your best when you can run the ball, but you also can't just be constantly third and long because you're getting stuffed in the last scrimmage. So I'll be curious to see how they approach this, You know how successful they are running the ball, and also who's running the ball. We don't know yet. Alex Collins got a little dinged up in that game, and – you will probably be seeing Rashad Penny back out there. So we'll see what it looks like. But yeah, that, that did look like Seahawks football to start that third quarter for sure. Yeah, New Orleans allowing just over three yards a carry. That is the fewest in the NFL. And this is what Pete knows to be true about that run defense for the Saints. 
They're really disciplined. They're really strict with how they play. They um, multiple fronts um, to, to try to keep you off balance. But but fundamentally, they're really good. And the guys up front just continue to set the edge and play really uh, consistent ball, which is always the key to good run defense. Is playing really consistent technique, and they're really good at it. They're really well coached, and, and um, they're they're just they're hard to deal with. Yeah, and that's kind of what we were just saying of. How, how much do you commit to it? I mean, yep. do you do you sell out and just pound the rock no matter what, or do you have to adjust and say, eh, this isn't working? And when do you do that? Well, and I think part of this is what else is in the playbook for Gino this week that maybe wasn't there last week as he was getting his feet under him. Yet we saw him have this series a couple of a couple of games ago, but it is different to go in there as a starter as compared to an injury replacement. And when it comes down to what's available for Gino, it really is the stuff that he has run most often. You give him stuff that he's good at and stuff that he's had a lot of turns at, a lot of reps. You don't you don't ask him to do brand new things every week. You know, you give him uh, where he can bank on his backlog of preparation and so that they can function at a high level and you out execute in that manner. That that was always that's always been the way. And so, uh, you know, where you might, you know, a coach can get all try to get real creative and draw this up and draw that up. That's not what a guy's probably going to function really well doing. You know, you, you want stuff that you can keep coming back to that's really solid and sound that he can function at a high level regardless of what he's seeing and he has the right answers for, for the problems and so um, it really gets back to things that they can execute really well and can you know be held accountable for it understand doesn't matter what coverage it is or what the situation is they can they can function with it and that's that's what you're trying to create and, and this is where the work during the week that he and Shane Waldron are doing together all the conversations all the meetings that it's as Pete Carroll saying it's not just okay here's the offense go do it it's figuring out Okay, this is not Russell Wilson. You guys have different skill sets. We have this whole big frame of an offense, but maybe Russell Wilson likes these concepts a little better, is better at these things. This is what Geno Smith does best, what he's most comfortable with, and, and trying to highlight that so this offense can be at its best. I also think that there's some chemistry there with the wide receivers that comes into play because while Geno gets a lot of practice time, he does not get a lot of practice time with the ones, right? And so making sure that he and Tyler are on the same page, we know that Geno can throw deep. Right. It's are they on the same page between DK and Tyler and Freddie, whoever it is that he's trying to get the ball to? Yeah. I mean, he talked about that a little bit a couple of weeks ago of, you know, other than the pre or in the preseason games, how much different it felt than the regular season. If he's out there in the preseason games throwing to mostly guys who aren't on this roster anymore. Yeah. And all of a sudden he comes in against the Rams and it's DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett out there. You know, and I, I think when we look at the offensive game plan and what we think might happen on Monday, of course we know that running the ball helps keep this offense balanced, but also you can use short passes just as effectively as, as you can a run. And Gino, I think, might have a little bit of a benefit in utilizing those tight ends just in the, just in those underneath routes, right? Like just being able to pick up, if you can just give me three to five yards. Yeah. We can march down the field with three to five yards, right? Yeah. And then it comes down to capitalizing in the red zone because this is the number that will ultimately determine the game, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the Saints are, as we said earlier, they're, they're literally as good as it gets in the league. They are scoring at a preposterous rate. It's, what, 93% of their drives in the red zone are touchdowns. And on the flip side of that, the, oh, they're also number one on defense, holding teams under 40%. So Seahawks have been really good in the red zone. They're up there near the top at 75%, but... Uh, and they're pretty solid on defense at 50%, but it's uh, what the Saints are doing is pretty special, and 
if you can't take advantage of those trips you get in the red zone, it's going to be tough. Well, and here's the other number that, that goes hand-in-hand hand with that, and that's third-down conversions. And Seattle's numbers have not trended the right direction. They've actually held pretty steady, which is unfortunate because they have not been able to get over the hump and consistently convert on third downs, of course. It does determine, it, it is dependent on the distance you need to go to get that third down, which is why, look, I just want to see some, some nice short yardage passes or runs, however you want to do, to steadily march down the field on Monday. Which brings us to the two things that we need to see for the Seahawks to get a win on Monday night. John, you want to go first? Yeah. Defense needs to get some turnovers, and I think that goes back to the conversation about pressure we talked about earlier. Look, Jameis has been better, but he's still a guy who can turn the ball over if you get after him and you know, knock him around, make him throw an interception or two. So how about two takeaways on defense? And then offensively, we've been talking about that run game. I don't think you need to be crazy in the running game. I, maybe the 144 they got last week is not realistic, but you know, just get a solid running game going so it's a credible threat and you can get maybe Rashad Penny or Alex Collins going and get, you know, let's say average, what would you say the Saints are at? The league best, 3. Point what? 7? Something like Yards that. Yards allowed, 3.3. Yeah, 3.3. Let's bump that up to about 4 for this game. Well, here's what I would like to see. I'd like to see pressure by that Seahawks defense. I'd like to get at least... I don't know how I want to count this with quarterback hurries, pressures. How about at least four hurries? Can I get that? At least four hurries. And I'd like to point out that Jameis Winston has not really been tested in any game this year. He has only run their two-minute offense twice, and that has been before halftime. These games have been decided by double-digit margins, right? So if you get him in a close game with the Seahawks 10 to play, I do think the advantage goes to the Seahawks and to the defense, which is why you're going to need to keep that pressure on him. And then I'm going to say offensively, don't turn the ball over, yeah. right? And, and the Seahawks were... were Hit or miss at that in some critical times. They were able to get the ball back the one time that Freddie jumped on it after DK's fumble. But, you know, Gino, in those final minutes, don't try to do too much. Just do your job. Hang on to the ball. Give yourself a chance. That's what I am going to say. As our final thoughts here on the Seahawks Insiders podcast, we'll see how that plays out Monday night in a primetime matchup against the Saints. We'll see you next week. 